Father, this morning we once again we come to you, Lord. We surrender ourselves, all your people everywhere, Lord. Grieving, oppressed, under enormous pressure. But Lord, you are there for your people. Be with Peter, Lord, and his mother, not doing good at all. But I pray, Lord, your hand would be there upon that family, Lord. Seal, extend your hand of mercy, the hand of strength, Lord. We commit every one of us here, online, offline, into thy hands, O Lord. As we study your word, help us not to forget the purpose, Lord. Speak to us this morning too. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. We're coming to the sixth church. We'll read from Revelation chapter 3 and verses 7 to 13. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David, what he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word, have not denied my name. I will make those who are who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I'll make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it, leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God and the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on him my new name. So as we go into this, first let us read. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verses 1 to 4. <coughs> but concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourself know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as a labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief in the night. Sometimes we forget one of the primary purposes of why we meditate upon the word of God is to see that this day doesn't take us by surprise. You need to realize one of the most alert and secure nations in the world is supposedly Israel. And they were taken absolutely by surprise while they were celebrating 
thinking that there is peace and security. The count is going up this morning. It's 1,100 bodies piled up okay, everywhere. The count will keep going up. But this is what God is actually telling us about. This day, the day of the Lord will come suddenly. Suddenly, especially when we think there is peace and there is security. He says, don't get unawares, because these are the two words they will always use, peace and security. And be careful, God says, don't be caught unawares. Like, no, all the things that are happening, because we are living in extraordinary times. I think after the Holocaust, never has so many civilians been killed in Israel's modern history in 75 years. And uh, and we see how suddenly things are changing, and we also know it has got many things have to got to do with what happened in 2020. If you look back three years back, there were no wars, no wars anywhere. Everything was quiet. Every terrorist outfit was quiet. ISIS was practically wiped out. Anybody tried anything? Nobody. Then three years later, you see everything happening. And the thing is that the reports that are coming in is Iran is directly and indirectly involved in it. That takes the lid off it all. And if you notice the Ukraine war, America's withdrawal from Afghanistan, they're saying those weapons are reaching the hands of the terrorists. Okay, so Israel is facing a very unprecedented. So you see what the current administration has done. They left around $80 billion worth of absolutely sophisticated weapons in Afghanistan. And Afghanistan needs money. They will sell it to anybody who buys it. And these weapons are reaching here. Okay, and Ukraine, they have been funding Ukraine, one of the most corrupt nations on the earth. And the number of people Zelensky has fired, we'll see that even in the midst of war, they are absolutely corrupt. Russia needs Iranian weapons because they are running out of weapons. And in return, Russia might give the weapons they have captured in Ukraine to Iran to pass on to the terrorists because remember these things are all prophesied how there will be an axis of Russia and Iran and all in the last days which will come against Israel so we need to realize anything happens and Israel decides to strike Iran in retaliation whole Middle East will go up in flames okay so don't get so caught up. I keep telling people, don't get so caught up in the temporal. In the temporal. We are so caught up in the temporal that we will be caught by surprise. And the Bible says, it's so powerfully in one of the first letters written. The warning is in chapter 1. He says, our verse 1, is verse 1. He says there, the Lord says there, concerning, yeah, verse 1, 5, 1. Concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. I mean, this is an extremely alert church. Yet to them it is written. Yet. Because you need to realize when this church is written and then God is writing to seven churches, the whole fundamental, and this word is used over and over again in this uh, book of Revelation, that I will come like a thief in the night. 
It will be unexpectedly, it will be so sudden. The warnings are given to the seven churches and let, let all those who have ears, let them hear what the Spirit of God says to all churches. That's the way it is put. And the thing is that we have no need that I should write to you. So even to a church was very, very aware of their times, their times. Because what is the reason? Because God says, you know what? You yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. That day will be unexpected and sudden. Unexpected and sudden. And in verse 3 he will say that, you know. On the other side, everybody will be talking about peace and safety. Peace, peace and safety. And then sudden destruction will come. Like everybody, everybody's, you know, everybody. And you see, people are blinded by one hatred. They're blinded by ideology. Okay, if you look at the, the, forget the, Muslim radicals celebrating in the streets. But if you look at it, New York City in Times Square, the leftist, please remember always the leftist ideology, the communists and the radical Islamists always work together. They will always work together. You need to realize even in the Jewish Holocaust, the Nazis and the Muslims collaborated. The Egyptian the the uh, the the what you call um, the head of the Egyptian Muslim Brotherhood and all of those days they were all in tandem because they are united by hatred they're united and there's nothing common about them no they're united in hatred and that's where we need to we need to realize okay we have to be very very careful because things are happening so fast so we are not just studying scripture. The whole purpose of studying the book of Revelation of all other books is it that we are not caught unawares. We are, we can only, we, you cannot, I mean, there are a lot of people who are building and buying bunkers and storing food. It is all good. It is all good. Okay, that, I'm, I'm not against it. I believe that's, that's fine. Because you, sh- you shouldn't be caught in a situation where there is famine that has been prophesied, where there is no, no food and also you can see sites selling food that lasts for 15 years, doesn't go bad. All that is fine. You have the resources. That's a practical preparation. A practical preparation. So a lot of people, when two years back the lockdown happened, they realized they were not practically prepared prepared and they had to depend upon the government for handouts. So that's a practical preparation. But more than that, there is a spiritual preparation. And you will see one of the churches that was prepared spiritually was a church in Philadelphia. That was a church that was prepared. And they didn't know that they were so prepared. So to them a promise is given that the trial that is coming upon the whole earth, I will keep you from. So how do we spiritually prepare is the whole question. And if you go to verse 7, the word says, To the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write. That is where it begins. Okay, So Philadelphia is that church. The church of okay? Philadelphia actually means... Uh, brotherly love. 
Okay. Now, if you go, if you if you remember in Second Peter chapter one, verse five to seven, when we looked at Jesus talking about how do you prepare for this day, how do you how do you make your election and your calling sure? How do you are so prepared that you will row, you will receive a rich entrance into heaven? This is what is said. Also, for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith, fastest virtue. Not necessarily in that order, but the things that are priorities in God's kingdom. Virtue. To virtue, knowledge. Okay, And I would say that should be the order because if order comes without virtue, it only breeds pride. But when virtue comes and knowledge comes in, it will work out well. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, the Bible talks about brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness the god kind of love okay so we look at we look at this because when we talk about when you talk about love okay there are different kinds of love there's the love of the husband for the wife there is the love of the parents for the children okay there are different kinds of love but then there is something else which will be eternal which will be eternal which is the brotherly love which is the brotherly love how it is to be manifested in the church. How do brothers and sisters, how does a family live together? Okay, how does a family together? You see when the book of uh, Genesis, the last 13 chapters, is about how brotherly love fell apart. And yet one brother's love stayed constant. And then God is able to use that brother because he loves to bring restoration into the lives of all the other brothers. So we have to be very careful about it because these are all pictures given in the Bible. Genesis is a very powerful book and we have a family, a family. And there is a total breakdown over there of familial love. Okay, There's a breakdown of brotherly love. But the one who is sinned against... He manages to preserve and retain that love. And therefore God is able to use that young man, which is called Joseph, exalt him, give him power and authority. And he uses that power and authority to restore the, the, the love in the family and to take care of them. So please understand, these are all principles because these are the principles we'll carry in this life and in eternity. Do we, can God give you power and authority? It's a simple question because to every one of these churches, many things are promised. But the question is, we are talking about eternity coming when God will give authority. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into my joy. Take charge of ten cities. The question is, can you be given that kind of an authority? Do you have that brotherly kindness? Because that is the purpose of power and authority in eternity. So get this picture. It's very, very clear. In Hebrews 13 and verse 1. Yeah, one, two, three. Let brotherly love continue. Okay, brotherly love continue. And it says, okay, so your brotherly love should even extend to strangers. To strangers. To entertain strangers. For by 
So doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. Remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those who are mistreated since you yourself are in the body also. So suddenly we see is that when he's talking about the brotherly love, which is primarily the love that has to be within the church, he said extend it to his, his, his stretching it, extend it to the stranger who is at your doorstep, who is looking, we are talking about those days primarily, who is looking for hospitality, a place to stay, and to the other extreme, where there are others of your own, of your own uh, ecclesia, the church, who you know are lying in prison. Okay, so he said, extend that, which way we can we do that. And that's how you need to realize the church's compassion literally has reached the ends of the world. It's because of what God has spoken about. Okay, so if you come to First Thessalonians chapter 4, 9 and 10. But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you. See, you look at the Thessalonian church. In 5, he will say, concerning the last days and the coming of the Lord, I have no need to. It's, 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 it's an awesome church. It's an awesome church, okay? And remember, they had received the word of God with much joy in the midst of much affliction. Okay, so these are things, the affliction in itself is, it's not bad, because it's a test of your love, a test of your love, okay, it's a test of your, it, the trials are a test of your faith, afflictions are a test of your love, that's why the Bible we saw yesterday, love suffers long and it is still kind, so the Thessalonians had actually received the word of God in what you would say, in a true manner. And now he's saying, you see, and he says, and how you are living in this Gentile community, you all who Gentiles who came to the Lord, you have understood what is the kingdom of God. That concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourself are taught by God to one to love one another. First thing he's saying over there is, Brotherly love is actually imparted by God and taught by the Spirit of God. It's a divine virtue. It's a divine virtue. Okay, It is taught by God. If we go to Psalm 133. Psalm 133, right? Behold, how good and how pleasant it shows for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of the car. From head to toe, he says, you know what, an anointing flows. When brother, when a family, okay, when you Israel is called a family, the church is called a family, in a family, how it has to flow. And it comes through unity. That is why it is so important we know our word because unity is based on things that are common common. It is not otherwise possible. That's why the, when he talks about unity in the book of Ephesians, he talks about the unity of faith. And he talks about the unity of the spirit. Two primary ways unity is forged. Okay, so we will say we are of the same faith. Same faith. Okay, if you look, there are many churches in the city and they're all good. But then there is our own church over there. Why is it that there is a unity within our church? As opposed to our unity with another church. That is also there. 
we are able to no fellowship with them but why is it that we are able to fellowship ourselves much more intensely deeply it's because we all hear the same word if you look at it that is the factor of our unity it is the sameness of what we hear and of course those who respond to it correctly in within that group there is even more unity and then the fellowship those who choose to gather constantly that among that group there is a even more unity so unity is not just doesn't randomly happen there are there are ways in which unity happens so there is faith that is where it comes then there is fellowship there is fellowship and then there is the leading of the holy spirit because what is common about all of us is the holy spirit so this is how brotherly kindness works and remember it is taught by god it is imparted by god it's part of our new nature in 1 john chapter 4 7 and 8 1 john chapter 4 believer let us love one another for love is of god and everyone who loves is born of god and knows god now this love is talking about is in in practical manifestation it is filio it is uh, brotherly love he says love one another we are all one one part okay and one of the one of the one of the primary primary uh, i mean per- from personal experience i'm talking about one of the primary attributes of brotherly love is that within a family if you look at it when we were young or you were young growing up one of the first things that happens is it is very easy to forgive and forget until you get married every family if you look at most families once a marriage takes place a woman comes in or a man comes in forgiveness becomes very difficult but there is another party who has come in and who is probably usually needling and says don't forget don't forget and it's a truth it's a truth but if you ask anybody when you were growing up if if you if you were to be honest and look the things that happen misunderstandings or whatever happen to a person before marriage and after marriage you will see you remember nothing about before marriage is all forgiven and forgotten but after marriage the property disputes and all these things that happen is after marriage so you need to realize okay that is where we have to understand this is where where the issues take place so so there is but when the church comes in the church is itself is a family itself is a family and brotherly kindness is something which is very very visible and the bible commands us beloved let us love one another for love is of god Okay, in the book of Ephesians, the Bible will say we are the family of God, and God is the Father, and we are all His children. So we should be living in love, because everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Okay, now, now we are all here. we are all there and pastor vijay is there sami is there rachel is here okay so three people standing over there so you will see pastor vijay for him to love rishi comes automatically because they both are born of the same parents 
becomes natural nobody has to tell you which uh, do you love rishi you don't have to tell okay we have to tell for sammy has more siblings nobody has to tell him it comes naturally rachel has her own sibling nobody has to tell them okay so the bible says you see everyone who loves is born of god rewrite the sentence by saying everyone who's born of god loves those who are born of god because you know naturally we are one family nobody has to tell them nobody has to tell them but the difficulty here is we are physically aware of being born into a family but being spiritually born again is a spiritual experience so therefore all these things are written to us so how does how do we practically live as a group of spiritually born again people see you don't have to write these things to a family the father will say don't do that do this mother will say no we don't fight so it's a constant instructions are going on and it's imbibed and people grow up and even if they are like separated by time and space and all they love each other they call each other it's because that's how we have grown up because you were born into a family that that same reality has to be transferred now into the kingdom of god okay and there is a church that has been very very successful so one of the first things we need to understand about brotherly love is that we are not talking about something in the in the in the world we are something about something is a facet of the kingdom of god because in the world you can be united by many things like right now all those who are celebrating they are united by hatred united so the the sunni who was bombing and killing the shias last week will suddenly come together because of a common hatred and celebrate the leftist and the muslim radical will get on the streets of new york and celebrate because they united not by faith not by love not by spirit but they united by hatred we are united we can be united only by love Okay, now these kind of tragedies and sometimes let us say worse tragedies has happened. But when it happens to Israel, one of the reasons automatically, emotionally, spiritually we react to it is because we know spiritually we are connected to yes, them yes. because our Messiah is a Jew. It's a Messiah. All our patriarchs, our spiritual history cannot be delinked from Israel. it cannot be they are the natural seed we are the spiritual seed we cannot be dealing from israel because it's part of who we are okay you don't have to have not i have not been in israel i have never put my step you don't have to be but you know you are somehow spiritually intrinsically connected to israel and the fact is that our savior was born a jew and even now in heaven he's called the lion of judah and judah was a tribe son born of jacob and when you go to heaven the city is called new jerusalem the name of heaven in the millennial realm post millennial realm is new jerusalem so when you hear jerusalem under attack it strikes a chord within you because you know where you are going you know it is all connected yes there is a jerusalem on earth but there is a city in heaven its name is jerusalem there are 12 gates each named after each of the apostles and they were all jews 
all Jews. So we need to realize there, there is, there is the way we react to the tragedy that has happened is why do we re- react personally? Is because if you look at the governmental responses, there are only two kinds of people who have intensely responded. One are the Jews. And Jews are responding in uh, grief and vengeance. But those who are grieving intensely are the believing Christians. See, they don't want vengeance because they know vengeance is God's. But they want justice. They want justice. But they are grieving. They are grieving because they know, like, you know, what has happened also is connected with the timeline of things that are happening because this is this, this. And so we need to understand why do we love them? Honestly, before I was born again, I cared two hoots about Israel. I didn't care about Israel. I knew his history, but I didn't care about Israel. There was no emotional, no connection with Israel at all. But once you were born again, and once you started reading the word of God, and you realize, oh my God, from the first book onwards, your spiritual history is connected to them. Now, Paul will make a very powerful defense upon about the Jews in the book of Romans. He says, no, we owe it all to them. Over to them, and for us, even our Messiah comes from our apostles come from the first church was Jewish. Most of the missionaries sent in the first century, they were all Jewish. Okay, and they gave up their lives literally so that the gospel would reach. And me from Kerala is very grateful to the Jew who came to Kerala and died on our behalf to bring the gospel to us. So we cannot detach. So this is where brotherly love comes. So those who do not love the ecclesia, now you don't have to love the church to the ends of the world. You need to, but that's a different thing. It's not able to. Bible says, you know what, you need to go and cross-check your faith. You need to cross up and check it. Okay, you need to go and cross check your faith. Okay, you need to realize the the test Joseph actually puts his brothers through. Okay, he loves them, but he cannot reveal himself to them until they have passed the test. Okay, and the ultimate test he will put them through is simply things. Do you love Jacob, your father? Do you love your younger brother, Benjamin? These are the two tests he has to put. These two tests. They have to pass that test. And when they pass the test, and he realizes they love their father, and they love the younger brother, he reveals himself. So we need to understand the revelation of Jesus Christ, the personal revelation of Jesus Christ to his own people. There are his own people whom he has redeemed and he wants to restore is dependent upon how we love God and how we love our brother. And when we do not really love God, and when we do not really love our brother, he will not, he will take care of us. He will feed us in famine. He give you extra money also in the bag, all that. But he will not reveal himself to us because he says, I cannot, you have to pass that test. I cannot reveal myself to you. And these are the truths which we are living because these are the truths we need to stand firm when the trial comes upon the whole world. Let me tell you, if we do not have God personally and powerfully with us, the Bible says we will not escape. 
they will not escape. So he gives a promise to a church over there in Philadelphia. Of course, he's there right there with Smyrna too. But to them, he says, don't worry about that. I've got the keys. Don't worry about that. I have the keys. I am the one who died. He's alive. And he's alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and hate. So to you, what I have to tell you is be faithful unto death. death. To another church, he's coming and saying, Something else. Okay? So if you come to, we'll come to, to three and verse seven. Okay? Three seven. Revelation three seven. Okay. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, these things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David. He who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. Four introductions. He gives, remember, each of the introductions to the churches are different. Okay? So, and if you look at it, uh, in each of the five previous introductions of Jesus Christ to each of the different churches, he will take a part of the revelation given by himself to John in chapter 1. But here it is different. Okay, here it is different. Because first he will describe who he is and then what he does. Okay, who he is and what he does. And the first thing he describes is that he begins describing himself as the one who is holy. The one who is holy. Okay. We know in his simplicity, holiness means to be Separate, a cut apart, okay, it's to be separate. And please understand, God alone truly can make this assertion. God's holiness is different from the holiness of any of his created beings, including the holy angels. Okay, there are angels that are absolutely holy, but his holiness is different from even their holiness, because God has a perfect Separation by virtue of being the creator from all creation and all evil and all wickedness. This may be true about other created things, but he is much beyond that. Okay? He is infinitely separated from all created things. In James 1.13, this is what the Bible says. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil. We know angels, one third of them were tempted by evil. Angelic beings, they were made separate, holy, pure, everything. But one third of them were tempted by evil, gave into the temptation, were cast out. We know Adam and Eve were made holy in God's own image and likeness. They were also tempted by evil and all of mankind fell. But this is a very powerful statement. God cannot be. Cannot be. Okay, So his holiness is different from all other created beings. God cannot be tempted by evil. And in heaven, if you notice, his holiness seems to be the most powerful attribute. That it seems to be the focal point of heavenly worship. 
Okay, in Isaiah 6 and verse 3, you will see when the prophet Isaiah sees a vision of heaven and he sees that vision and he sees those angels over there. One cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Okay. And when the temple was built and ultimately when the, the turban, the mitre was put on the high priest, it was holiness unto the Lord. Again, we are told to worship God in the beauty of his holiness. Okay, So God's holiness seems to be the focal point of worship in heaven. In Revelation 4 and verse 8, when you see the living creatures before his throne, Okay, the four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes round and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. So when Jesus is declaring, this is who is speaking to, I am the one who is holy. If you go to Luke chapter 1 and verse 35, when the Annunciation takes place, when the angel Gabriel talks to Gabriel about how she is chosen and what is going to happen. And when she says, I'm a virgin, I have not man, this is what he says. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. That's how he is introduced as the Holy One who will be. Okay? So to the church at Philadelphia, Christ presents himself first as the Holy One. As the Holy One. So introductions are important. The first thing he introduces himself as, when he introduces who he is to the church in Philadelphia is, I am the Holy One. The second one, if you go to 3.7, the second one, he points himself as the one who is true. Okay, these things says he who is holy. Okay, the second attribute he mentions is he who is true. Okay, now in Greek, the word true also means real. Also means real. Okay, if something is true, then it has to be accurate to reality. Either or both physical and spiritual reality. Real in heaven and real on earth. That is why when Moses was asked to make the tabernacle, instructions were so powerfully given and every artisan was filled with the Holy Spirit because you are making something which is true in heaven. So don't try your own jugads on this here. Okay, because it has to reflect that is real. Okay, so it surpasses time. It moves into eternity. That's why we are talking about, that's why yesterday when we looked at 13.13 of uh, Corinthians, we know. Now, ultimately, these three things abide with his faith, hope, and charity. Of this, the greatest is love because faith is real. But in eternity, you won't need faith. Because you will be living by sight. You see God. You don't need faith. 
Okay, you don't need faith. You don't need hope because hope has been fulfilled. But love continues forever and ever and ever. So one of the attributes of God which is m- most true is love. Is love. Okay, that is why we were using truth to examine love. Because we hear about so many kinds of love. But will this love have its reality in heaven? And we will realize, no, it won't have it. Therefore, it is not real. If it is real, then it should be real on earth. It should be real in heaven. Heaven. When we talk about ISI mark or whatever, or let us say one kilogram. You need to realize there is a standard of one kilogram kept somewhere, I forgot, in Paris or, yeah, in Paris or Europe, they have a one, that is the standard. So ultimately everything has to measure to it. Everything has to measure to it. Okay? You cannot declare your own one kilo. Okay, this is my one kilo. And we'll say, it doesn't, what does it fit to a standard that has been decided? Okay? So heaven is the standard. Okay? And in heaven, God is the standard. Okay. In Isaiah 65 and verse 16. So that he who blesses himself in the earth shall bless himself in the God of truth. He who swears in the earth shall be sweared by the God of truth. Okay. So God is called the God of truth. Okay. God is the God of truth. Okay, Jesus comes in and declares in John chapter 14 and verse 6, I am the truth. Okay, I am the truth. He says, I am the way, the truth and the life. So he says, I am the truth. Okay, so in uh, in uh, John chapter 1 and verse 14 and then in verse 17, I think it's 14. Yeah. Okay, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten of God, full of grace and full of truth. Okay, so basically God was saying that, now God is truth, and God is real. God is truth, God is real. The question is, how do we human beings who are disconnected from God because of our sin, because of our sin, where God is no longer coming to the garden and manifesting himself to us like he did to Adam and Eve, walking with us and teaching us. So we learn how to live by walking with God. That is not going to happen. So how does truth live? The question is, how does truth live? How do you manifest truth? Okay, so what did God do? One of the things about salvation is what God does is that the God becomes flesh. Okay, God becomes flesh. But flesh has its inherent weaknesses. Inherent weaknesses. So if the flesh has to live out truth, it cannot do without grace. Cannot do without grace. Flesh has no power to keep truth. That's why the Bible says he came full of grace and truth. Because that is the whole idea. You see, all religions in so many ways declare so many facets of truth. But they do not give you the power to keep it. The power to keep it. Even the law was declaring the truth. But the problem of the law was that the law will not help you, it will not lift one small finger to help you to keep. So only the thing the law can bring is condemnation and judgment. 
Okay, so the purpose of the law was only one thing, to bring people to Jesus Christ. This is the truth. You cannot give the truth. The truth is will judge you. So what you need to do is that, go to Jesus Christ. Go to Jesus Christ. He will first redeem you from the judgment of truth, of the law. And then he will cause you to be born again by the truth. And then he will save you by grace till your last day so that you can live truth out. And when you live, live that truth out, you will realize it is real. It is real. That is why the Bible says, by faith we understand. Living by faith in another, living by faith actually is a combination of grace and truth. Grace and truth. When you live by grace and truth, that is called faith. That is called faith. And that is why the Bible says, by faith we understand. By faith we have access to the throne room of grace. That's how we look at truth. So God is truth. Jesus is, I am the truth. And in multiple places, uh, the Holy Spirit is called the spirit of truth. Okay, these are the three pillars. The three pillars of how you understand truth. How do you know something is truth? One is, God's word is the truth. I and you in the physical reality that we are caught in, which is the worst reality we caught in, because spiritual reality is much more powerful. You are able to see into another dimension, which is real, which is real. And we realize everything from there is what is controlling here, either the good or the evil, the spiritual that is controlling the physical. But the problem is we are caught in the flesh and in the material. So the first thing God gives to us is his written word which is material, which is material. So God says, Father, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is the truth. And that is why we very carefully avoid the word. And we we need to realize it's a very demonic oppression upon God's people who have access to the word of God, who do not listen to the word of God. It's not the world. The world is blinded. You cannot blame a blind man for falling into a ditch. Nobody will. Everybody will run to rescue him. When a blind man falls into a ditch. What about a man who has got 20-20 vision? Who falls into a ditch? So he'll say, what's wrong with you? Where, where were you looking? That's exactly, you know. You may help him. But before you help him, you'll say, what's wrong with you? Don't you see where you're going? Okay, so we God's people have the word of God. And the word of God is the truth. Now, whether you can read or not is irrelevant because you can still hear. You can still hear. Okay. And the Bible says faith comes from hearing. So, truth is what God has given to us. So, the first facet about truth is that it is written. It is written. I have access to what is written. But the Bible wants. Scripture is not, no prophecies for private interpretation. Don't take it and run with it. Okay. Don't take it and run with it. Because that is very, very dangerous. So what has been given to us, the spirit of truth has been given to us. The spirit of truth has to be given to us. What he does is that he anoints us. He anoints us. Okay? Anointing is something like that is put in your eyes so that you can see clearly. If you are, if you have eye this thing, old days, put salve so that you can see. So the Bible says the anointing teaches you all things. The anointing teaches you all things. And it's given to every believer who asks. 
Okay, so you have the word of God, you have the spirit of God. And then how do you live it out? You need an example. So you have a company of saints, cloud of saints. But look at them, be encouraged, learn from their right and learn from their mistakes. But keep your eyes fixed on Christ Jesus. He is the ultimate paradigm of the who walked in truth, who never fell. Never heard. Keep your eyes fixed on him who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Okay. So you have the word of God, you have the spirit of God, and you have a person. You get these three together, and God says, you know, so these are the questions which, you know, whenever you have, you had, even last evening, you had different people coming to ask questions. Okay. Over different issues in life. The first question you have to ask is very simple. What does the word say? If you can read, if you are literate, what does the word say? Now, so many helps are there. You have Bibles. If you look at the back of it, you will see so many helps. You have an issue and you look in the issue. The issue comes under the heading. Okay, the first thing I found is, okay, this thing, okay, uh, master, measure. Okay, so you can go to what does, what does God's word say about this? Okay, what's God's word says? Okay, so you have it. Second thing you see, you get on your knees and say, Spirit of God, what do you say about it? I don't want to go with my own interpretation. You, you may have a PhD in theology and your interpretation would be completely wrong. Completely wrong. But Lord, Spirit of God, you never err. Okay, you are the one who actually wrote it. So when you wrote it, what did you intend? Okay, because if you go to literature and if you go to a literary class, everything has changed because it is called a theory which has created havoc in the world. People do not know most of the havoc created in this world by the Department of Humanities. It is not created by science. It is by the Department of Humanities who are pumping in ideologies which are demonic. And one of the theories that came in is reader response theory. Meaning, once, once, I have written something, I have no control over it. The response about it is left to the reader. He can interpret it whichever way you want it. You know what is the sum result of it that today is what you call relative truth. Truth is not absolute, it is relative, which has destroyed this world. So that is what the Bible is telling you very carefully. Truth is not your relative. Truth is absolute, he is your father. Truth is absolute. It is not for private interpretation. You have the word with you. You need to go to the Spirit of God. Spirit of God, what do you say? The Spirit of God tells you this is what is intended. Lord, I see it. I see the intention. But Lord, can you give me an example of how it is lived out? Either he will show you from a personality in the Bible. Okay, Bible, or Jesus himself. That is why we have all these people in the Bible and their acts of faith. In your situation, do you see, okay, do you see, okay, do you see how this person did? God is the same. Nothing has changed. Enemy in the spiritual, outwardly world and culture in time is changing. Spiritually, nothing has changed. God is the same, the devil is the same. Nothing has changed. God doesn't change, the devil doesn't change. He is forever holy, he is forever evil. Nothing changes. Okay, so God says, you need to understand what is real is always real. 
Okay. Don't look at the temporal. We looked at that word. Don't look at the temporal because it is not real. What is real is the eternal. So he says that's how you need to look at truth. And then when you come to First Timothy and chapter 3 and verse 15, the honest now comes upon the church. Oh no, First Timothy, Timothy, First Timothy, okay? Timothy 3.15, if I'm right, okay? If I'm delayed, I write so that you may know how you conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. Two things. One is the ground. The other is the pillar. Okay? Other is the pillar. Have you noticed in some places, even though the pillar was strong, the welding still crashed because the ground was weak. Ground was weak. Okay? In some places, the ground is very strong, but the pillar cracked. Pillar cracked. Okay? So you will see churches like that, where their foundations are very good, very strong foundations, but they have not been able to build higher. They have not been able to build higher because when they try to build higher, it crashes. It's because their pillar is not strong. Pillar is not strong. In some cases, their pillar is very, very strong, but the ground is, ground is very, very weak. Okay, so the church is called to be something. God says the church is the ground and the pillar of truth. Why? Because it is the house of the living God. It is the house of the living God, the triune God, where God is the God of truth. The Son says, I am the truth, and the Spirit is called the Spirit of truth. So God says, you know what? You cannot be true unless you correspond to the truth. You cannot be true. So Jesus comes and says, the one who speaks to you is this, the one who is holy, the one who is true. In contrast, please understand, in contrast, in John 8 and verse 44, is the other guy. You are of your father. He says, I am of my father. By the way, my father, he says, is truth. Your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do, he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. So he calls him a murderer. Let me, let me put it across this way. Okay, now Chandana is sitting over there. Okay, now imagine this is a bottle. Okay, and Chandana says he likes Pepsi. So I tell Chandana drink you like you know Pepsi. But I have been told her that you know what? There is poison in the Pepsi. I haven't told her that. Okay. So I just give it to her and she believes it and she drinks and she dies. You know why she died? Not because she drank poison. That is a physical, because she believed a lie. That's how he kills. She believed a lie. So if you look, the devil did not come to the garden and kill Adam and Eve. He did not do anything. He didn't raise a finger. He just sold a lie. And they took it and they died. That's why he's saying he was a liar from the beginning. And he was a murderer. So don't ever think lies are harmless. They are not harmless. They, they kill. They kill. 
Because if you look what happened in the Middle East the last two days, it is all based on lies. Based on the lies. They have changed history itself. Okay. A simple thing to question is that you need to, even if you read your own book, ask the question is, who is Abraham? Who is Isaac? Who's, we'll use their terms. Who's Yaqub? Who's Dawood? Who's Suleiman? Aren't they Jews? They're not Muslims. Aren't they Jews? Isn't that land that was given to them by God whom you call Allah? How can it be your land? How can you call it occupation? And in the 1920s and 30s when the Zionist movement took place, when all these Jews came in, didn't they buy that land from you? Have you seen the pictures of that land 100 years back? Was there anything there? Barren deserts? Didn't they change it into a green oasis? So you have been sold a lie first. Then you have been pumped with lies and hatred from the time you were born. So the manifestation of it is what you saw yesterday. The way they massacred women, children, babies, old, elderly, bodies piled up. Why would you do that? If you are really brave, then you should be fighting the idea of soldiers. You left every military installation alone and went after the civilians who were unarmed. You see, we talk about the right to bear arms is the First Amendment or Second Amendment? Second Amendment, right? Yeah, we talk about fight, fight about, fighting about Second Amendment in the U.S., no? You need to realize Israel doesn't have the Second Amendment. Can you imagine, therefore, if Israel had the Second Amendment, all of them would have been armed. All of them would have been armed. Okay, they don't have it. They don't have the right to bear arms. Okay? So we need to understand once a lie is sold, lie is sold, lie is sold, always the lie from the leftists in America is guns kill. No, guns don't kill. There has to be a finger that pulls the trigger. People kill. Gun doesn't jump up and kill somebody. It doesn't. It's people who kill. Guns don't. Guns don't. Okay, so this life, this is, this is ideology, Marxist, Leninist, whatever radical ideologies constantly speaking out lie as truth. And once you swallow the lie, you will see all the leftists in Times Square in New York City when people are mourning because babies and children and women and all, and they will say it is because of occupation. How do you justify this as occupation? Because you have swallowed lies. And who is your father? The devil. The father is the devil. Because what does a lie do? It causes murder. It causes murder. And people will always talk about these things. My question to people is this. Where do you hear, where do you hear, I'm talking about modern days, where do you hear the way things are happening? Let us say in a conflict, a Jew kills a Palestinian. Or a Christian soldier kills a Muslim. Do you see them jumping on their bodies and celebrating? They don't do it. And if by case it happens, do you know what happens to that American soldier? He's court-martialed. 
Rare cases have happened. He is arrested. He is court-martialed. He's, I mean, he goes into jail. Because you need to realize that Judeo-Christian culture doesn't condone murder. They don't celebrate. Now, what kind of a religion is that celebrates the death of innocence and mutilates their bodies? What kind of a ideology? So what did you believe? The question is, what did you believe? The same thing happens in this country too. This country too. So this is how you separate the wheat from the shaft. Because what you believe, what you believe is what comes out. One of the first international seminars I had to conduct in Iflu, the title of that uh, seminar was In Word Out. What goes in is what comes out. In Word Out. Okay. Professor who was a radical master did not know it is very biblical. <laughs> okay. Okay. So whatever word you receive, see the problem is words are neutral. It can be either a lie or a truth. If you receive a lie, you can be very sure you will become a murderer. A murderer. If you receive the truth, be very sure you will be part of the salvation process. You, you don't become a savior, but you become the hands and the feet of the savior. It depends upon what you receive. These words are not random. They are very powerful. That's why the great man said, I forgot whose name, the pen is mightier than the sword. Okay, mightier than the sword. Okay, it's mightier than the sword. Biden may be sit there looking weak, but when he signs a paper, the sixth fleet is moving towards Israel. The American warships are moving towards the Mediterranean Ocean. Because the command has been given, if Israel is attacked, America will respond. Just he did was probably when order is signed. That's it. It starts moving. Tens and thousands of soldiers and arms are all moving, saying, be careful. Okay, so what we are seeing is the power of God's word. Power of God's word, but more than any presidents who die, eternal word is there. That's why God says in the, He has talked to us, spoken to us in various ways, but in the last days, He has spoken through His Son. That is the final word. Now you need to understand why do the Jews and the Muslims deny Jesus is the Son of God? Because if He is the Son of God, His word is the final. You cannot have the Quran cannot have the Quran. And the Jews have to accept everything that he said as the final. You need to understand the ideology behind denying certain realities. Because the problem is if you accept it, then you cannot be neutral before truth. If Jesus is the son of God, then what does the Jew do? What does the Jew do? He has to bend his knee. If Jesus is the son of God, then that is the final word. You cannot, you cannot, you cannot have a word more than God's own son. See, God sends his only begotten son and spoken to us, and then he sends another prophet. No, it doesn't work that way. So after that, when the apostles come, they are all pointing to the son. So the Bible says the law and the prophets point to the son and then all the apostles and all of us is all pointing to the son because that is the final word. 
Okay, so we need to understand behind this ideology of rejection of so, so many things is the truth. Is the truth. So Jesus comes and says, you know what? I am who is true. I am true. So if you want to be true, he says, in another words, he says, if you want to be true as a person, if you want to be true as a home, if you want to be true as a family, if you want to be true as a church, look to me. Look to me. Because Jesus becomes that epitome. Okay. So if you want to be a father, how would be a father be like? He says, look to me. I am the, the manifestation of the everlasting father who walked among you. If you want to be a husband, then how should I be? He says, look to me. Husbands, love your wives as. If you want to be a wife who is asked to submit to all things as unto the Lord, look to me and see how I submitted to my God. If you want to be a child, look to me, see how I obeyed my father to the uttermost and subjected myself to earthly parents who were not very literate. So in everything, he is the paradigm. So you get these figures right. You get the father right, the mother right, the husband right, the wife right, the child right. You get the society right. Because society is composed of one of this or all of this. So he says, I am the one who is true. Your reference point is always. That's why I said when people come or you ask yourself, the first question to ask is, what did God say? What did God say? It's written. And then go beyond that to ask Spirit of God, what do you say about what is written? And third, how would I have to act it out? And God says, look to this paradigm. Because even when this patriarchs, Lord Peter will say, it was the Spirit of Christ in them. It was not them. When Gideon blew the trumpet, it was not Gideon. It was Christ in Gideon. Christ in Gideon. It was not Gideon. So we are not looking at Gideon. We are looking at Christ. And when he takes the thorns and the breads and whips that, that was not Christ. That was not Christ. That was the devil acting through Gideon. That was not Christ. So Gideon is not a paradigm for all of life, only for sin facets of faith. That is how we have to look at. So Abraham is the father of faith. But when he says, Sarah, you are my sister, no. He is not a paragon. It is Christ who laid down his life while Abraham picked his life. He says, no, not there, not there, not there. So everywhere Christ comes in and that is. So we need to understand truth and liberty go together. That's why Jesus says the truth shall set you free. While lie and slavery goes together, bondage. Okay, so if you look at it, Israel was set free from Egypt. They came, they went through the Red Sea, their enemies are destroyed, you will never see them again. But they were never delivered in the mind. So they wandered. They wandered. Why were they, why did they wander? Because they were never delivered in their mind. Okay, and this, you see America the same way. The African American was set free over a hundred, I don't know how many years back. It was, when was the proclamation? 1865? Right? Abraham Lincoln signed that paper. Every black man in America was free. Free. Now this is the year 2023 and most of them are still not free because they are bound in their minds. 
bound in their minds. And from that bondage, they are reacting and still voting for the same set of white men who are enslaving them in their minds and making them do what they want to do. Because they are not free here. They are not free here. Okay, The same thing in place. So truth can bind, liberate you here or truth like can bind you here. So it's not your outside reality which really matters. Your spiritual reality. That's why the book of Philippians is one of the most powerful books because the whole book you look at it and you read it all and says, wow, very encouraging. Then you go and look at the physical reality of the Roman dungeon in chains and he looks at it and says, I am pressing on and you look at it. What are you pressing on? You can't even move your hands properly. What are you pressing on? For Christ Jesus. Okay? I'm rejoicing. I'm praying. The peace of God is guarding. So you realize this man has understood truth. And he's living it out. And he's actually the only probably free man in Philip, in, in that prison. He's absolutely free. It's like Daniel. Daniel is able to sleep very well in the lion's den. The king who's free is not able to sleep. The reason is the king has believed a lie and signed a lie and he is tormented. The man has stood on a truth and he is free. It's free. Until we come into this, we will not understand what Jesus is talking about. Holiness is one facet of God. And holiness of God is different from our holiness. So when God says, be holy as I am holy, he says, the only way you can really be holy is allowing my son to live through you. Don't try the Old Testament methods. He do this and do that. It won't work, he says. It will not work. Thousands of people tried it for thousands of years and failed. So don't go that route. But there is another way, the way of faith. Allow my son to live through you. You will be holy. And that holiness I will accept. Because it is true holiness. It is the holiness. That's what the Bible means. He is our wisdom. He is our knowledge. He is our... He. How does it? When you vicariously by faith allow him to live through you, it is, it is, it is it. But of him, you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification. What is sanctification? Holiness. Holiness. He becomes everything. So what actually happens is when you actually live by faith, that even if you live five minutes for faith, it's Christ who lives, yeah. not you. That is the secret of Paul's life. He says, I have understood. I no longer love, but Christ loves in me. Yet it is I, but by faith. Okay, that's what. So when you're talking about truth, and we will stop with that and go to prayer. Okay, because one of the most powerful verses in the Bible connected with truth is found in Isaiah 59 and verse 14. You know, you can, you, those who are listening online, you can read the preceding and uh, succeeding verses, but this is it. The most things which, and we'll leave it alone, 14 alone, okay? Justice is turned back. Everybody wants justice. Righteousness stands far off. That is the aim of every religion. To be declared righteous. Dharam, dharmi. Okay, out of dharam comes dharmi. Every religion's end is that I will be declared righteous before God one day. That is the objective of religion. Otherwise, religion has no meaning. 
meaning if in their religion a misinterpretation probably of some surah where it says if you die for the, if you kill for the cause of allah as a martyr then you will go immediate express entry into heaven and you will get 70 virgins poor virgins okay i don't know what they have to do to be escape from this man in their surah i don't understand okay but that is a lie that's a lie so uh, 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 a palestinian terrorist who goes and kills and kills is is killed himself you know what happens he believes by his act he will be declared righteous because his end game also is to be declared righteous on that day but it is a lie perpetuated so justice is turned back righteousness stands far off and the last one equity cannot enter these are the terms everybody is fighting for justice and righteousness and equity but what is the reason the reason is truth is fallen in the street everything is connected to truth equity is connected to truth justice is connected to truth righteousness is connected to truth so god says when truth falls everything is turned back everything stops equity cannot enter justice turns back righteousness stands for all so if you want justice if you want righteousness if you want equity what does have to happen truth has to stand up again yeah. truth has yeah. to stand yeah. up again yeah. truth has to stand up so that is why the question okay so remember pilot asked the question what is truth <laughs> Jesus said this answer everyone who is on the side of truth hears my voice hears my voice okay so what is true now for that answer we will never get the complete answer in this life simply because i believe our our physical uh, capabilities cannot encapsulate truth the dimension the actual dimension of truth we do not have the capacity to handle it capacity to handle truth but i do believe when eternity comes we will understand the truth about everything that is why when people keep pushing god says leave it the secret things belong to me belong to me you cannot understand it now you cannot understand it now so truth is something which we will experience in its magnitude in eternity understand i mean you look at all the let us let us look at in this past one year man trying to understand the moon the truth about moon we were the first one to land a, a space aircraft on the other side of moon okay meaning after 6000 years we do not know the truth about one side of the moon and we are still talking about truth okay truth okay so that's what god is talking about the key is truth so the final verse for today james 1:18 of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that's how we are born again okay so what happens that's why repentance is such a powerful word in the bible sort of negative words so actually if you look at it, it's a powerful positive word repentance in simple in today's context means to turn away from the lie and believe in the truth believe in the truth turn away from the lie and believe in the truth 
Turn away from the lie and believe in the truth. So repentance means turn away from works that lead to death. Put your faith in Christ who is the truth. Put away, turn away from all the works either of sin that leads to death or false hope in your good works to take you to heaven. Repent from all of that and turn and believe only in the work God has done in his son on the, his, his birth, life, death resurrection. Believe in that and you are saved. And from there it is a whole journey of truth. So every time you encounter truth, repentance has to be there. Because otherwise you don't need truth. Because when you confront truth, the first thing is that you realize this is, oh, what I believed was a lie. So you get rid of it. Get rid of it. Okay, Get rid of it. And then what do you do? You Put your faith in truth. So repentance from a lie and faith in truth is a constant thing. And Jesus comes and tells us, you know what? I am the one who is holy and I am the one who is true. That's why we were, because the most important word in humanity's language, modern day, old days, everything is that, is the word called love. So we are using God's word God's word to to examine what is the kind of love that what is what kind of love is true because God is love and He sees that because the Bible talks about Leah and Rachel when God say saw that Jacob did not love Re- Leah He opened uh, uh, Leah's womb. Okay, so he sees these things. So what kind, what is the kind of love that is true in different contexts between a husband and a wife, between a father and children, between siblings, within the church, and within the context of the church, God comes and says, Philadelphia, 100 marks for you. You have true brotherly love. You have true brotherly love. So to you, I am proclaiming. You know who is the one who is proclaiming? Three, seven. The one who is holy. The one who is holy. The one who is true. And the third thing is the one who has the key of David. Okay? We will look at that on Friday. Because key signifies both acts authority and access to things. So he says, I have that key. Both authority is with me. All authority has been given to me. And access is, if I shut the door, no one can open it. If I open it, no one can open it. Okay. So we'll go to Peter. Peter, as he's going through his struggles, watching his mom go through what she's going through, still worshipping. You will not despise, yes, Lord. 
you will not despise. You desire truth and the inward part, a broken spirit and a contrite heart. Lord, my heart is prone to God I love, and here's my heart, come take and seal it, seal it for your courts above, here's my heart, oh it's prone to wonder, Lord it's prone to live. God, I love, Lord, here's my heart, come take and seal it, seal it for your courts Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord. There's so much oppression and this pall of gloom over the world, oh Father. Every time it looks like, Father, the evil is triumphing. But we know, Lord, at the end, goodwill overcomes. Christ will come. His kingdom will be established on earth. Everyone out there talking about a solution to the Middle East conflict. There's only one solution. Your return. The world, including the Middle East, will see a thousand years of peace and prosperity. So, Father, we understand why, Lord, you taught us to pray, Thy kingdom come, and Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is the only solution to all of mankind's problems, Lord. But you said before that happens, things will get worse and worse and worse. Lawlessness will abound. The love of many will grow cold, but he who endures till the end shall be saved, is your promise. And I pray, Father, every time we come together, every time we meditate upon the word, every time we pray, every time we fellowship, our endurance is growing stronger and stronger, Lord. That we will not quit. We will not give up. But we will remain faithful to the end. Either way, if our destiny is the destiny of Smyrna, help us to be faithful unto death. If our destiny is the destiny of Philadelphia, let your promise, because you have obeyed my command to persevere, I will keep you from the trial 
that is coming upon the whole earth. But to either of the two groups, the call is the same. Remain faithful. Stay faithful. Endure till the end. So Father, we pray for all our dear brethren who are in this fight. And so many do not know this fight is connected with what is happening around the world. It is literally a battle between evil and good. The seen and the unseen. And we pray, Lord, the pressure, the immense pressure that is brought to bear upon those who are fighting the good fight of faith to quit to give up but Lord I pray each one once again today will resolve never never to quit touch his Lord touch him touch all who are standing with him that they stand firm Touch with Israel, Lord. Touch Israel. They are grieving. They are angry. But Father, I pray, they will channel their anger the right way. Touch those who are grieving, both in Israel and in Palestine. They are grieving. Families on both sides. Both believe they are fighting for a right cause. But there is only one cause that is right. That is Jesus. God too grieves as he sees the sons of Abraham fight one another. It's a centuries old fight still playing out. Because one woman made a wrong move and the man listened to her. Lord, you are the one who came to bring peace between warring brothers, between Jew and Gentile, between Jew and Muslim. Only you can do it, Father. Only you can. So we continue to pray. Help us to keep our eyes open, for that day will come suddenly. Help us not to be caught unprepared unawares that's the dear ones Lord Archie Brad Chirian MQ Bruce all those who are in the fight so many Lord names that cannot be even mentioned all our pastors keep Lord struggling that ventilator touch him touch him Pastor said, Lord, touch him. All our pastors, everywhere. Our families, touch them. Penny and her household. Lynn and his household. Uncle Marshall. Every one of them. Touch, Lord, touch. Help us to know that everything that we are doing, you're asking us to do, is part of your end time plan for the church. 
It is not our personal battles. It is not that the siege will break and we will be free. It is more than that, oh Lord. It is much bigger than any one of us. It is about the king and the coming kingdom. Touch, Lord, touch. Let there be an awakening, Lord, in the church. Let these things cause us to awaken. Put our lives in order. To look up and not just look around. Or to be depressed and look down. To look up. For he says when these things happen, look up. For your redemption is drawing nearer and nearer and nearer. every power of darkness that is active in this hour to create more chaos we bind those powers in the name of Jesus everywhere anyone who is planning and plotting attacks against your church your churches around the world against your people because the wicked thrive in evil and iniquity They plot evil even in their beds. That's what your word says. Lord, you did not, without reason, give authority to the church. said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you release will be released because you have the keys of David. We exercise that authority, bind every power of darkness that has been released against the church. Your people who are fighting this. Let there be confusion in the ranks of the enemy. Let there be blindness in the ranks of the enemy. Every curse, every demon that released, we send them back. Every curse we disable. Every witchcraft that is being done. Calling upon demons to create havoc. Let it fail and fall to the ground. We stamp those demons under our feet. He said, soon the God of peace shall crush Satan, who is behind all that is happening under your Thank feet. You, Thank you, Jesus. The church is not a weakling. The church is triumphant in Christ. Thank you, Lord. The wicked will perish. Every one of them who do not repent will perish. Thank you, Lord. There will be no memory of them left on earth Thank one day. Stumble and fall, oh Father. You, Cover your people everywhere, Lord. The blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, Thank the blood you, of Jesus you, over the church, over every home. Thank touch, you, Lord. Thank touch, you, Lord. touch, Lord. Touch, Lord. Stand in the gap, Father. Thank you, Lord. Because your word says you looked for one man. Yes. We stand in the gap. We stand in the gap. We today. pray, Lord, have mercy, 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 mercy. mercy, mercy Stretch forth your hand. Protect your people, Lord. In the midst of this turmoil everywhere, let your hand of protection first and foremost be upon your people. Yes, Lord. Your hand of power be upon yes, your people. Yes, Lord. Lord. Yes. 
Your hand of provision be upon your people Lord, that you meet yes. them at their point of need, yes, Lord. Father, yes. Whatever they need is healing, yes, deliverance. Yes, Lord. Some people need an open way, Lord. Yes. You are the one who opens doors that no yes. one can Lord, shut, no Father. One, no I pray, shut. Lord, open that door. Yes, You've been blocked for so long, Father, but yes. Father, we pray today. Pray today. Open that door, open, Father, open. that they can pass through, Lord. Because yes, you said you are the one who has the keys of David. The door that you open, no man can shut. The door you shut, no man can open. We pray, Lord, today. Open that door, Lord. Open that door. We thank you, Father. We just thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Come today, this whole week, into the hands of Lord. Pray, Father, go with us. Go before us, Lord. We, your people, need you. Thought you, Lord, we truly, truly cannot do anything, anything. Father. Can't do anything so we just commit ourselves, our church, our homes, our household, yes, all into yes, the hands. And by faith, we plead the blood of Jesus, Jesus the blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus mm. over everyone. And Father, we stand in faith, and we bless Your holy name, Lord. Through it all, we bless Your holy name. Yes, we bless, bless Your name. holy name, bless Father. Name. And it bless doesn't name. matter how terrible it looks. We stand so here and proclaim Thine is, is the kingdom, kingdom the, the power and the glory, glory forever and, and ever. ever. Amen. Amen.